everybody. Whoa, that was loud. It's always loud. Welcome to ADD Masterminds. <laughs> I wow. am John, yeah. and we've got Jeff Hendricks. ADD Masterminds. It's the best show alive. And Theosaurus Rex. Yes, I'm here. Greetings, all. It's like the, it's like the <laughs> intro of the band, right? Where it's like, and we got Jeff Hendricks on the drums. And we got Theosaurus Rex on the bass. This is so good. This is this is just great podcasting right now. John's playing the kazoo. John Howie on the kazoo. Take it away, John. <laughs> Wait, who's playing the recorder then? Can I switch? Can I switch to the recorder? I want to. I want to play the triangle. I played the triangle. That's no recorder. More cowbell. You guys ever play the triangle? Uh, actually, once I did, and I played it a little too vigorously, I, and I they got um, I, I, They took I me off of it. I, I used to have one. You got, you got taken off of Triangle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. I could see that. It's like, hey, that's a little, that's a little too much Triangle there, son. <sighs> Mercy. But I had a fever. So, man. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. okay. We're back. Okay. So I, I have a conf- I have a confession. Uh, guys, I, I have a confession. We're going to start off the show with a confession. I have a confession. Okay. Did you kill somebody? For the years that John and I have been doing this, John has been the... F- no. Well, maybe, but that's not what I'm confessing. Um, for the years that John and I have been doing this, John has always been diligent to put together a master list of topics that we talk on, and I have diligently ignored that and just gone <laughs> off into left field. I, I don't even think I've looked at the master list in probably two years. <laughs> and, you know, somehow it just still kind of works. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I could maybe, I don't know. But I just I just I had to get that off my chest. I just I just had to say that. <laughs> That's why I'm always pulling you back on topic to the off topic. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. But yeah, no, I I think I think Theo is uh, is on it right now. He's looking at the master list. I can see. You better believe it. I can it. see his I gotta pink make sure cursor. I know Mine's pink. Yours is pink. Oh, interesting. Well, pink is the color of manly. I don't have a pink version of me actually. I've got brown, I so I can't be the... accused of being racist. I've got blue because that's one of my favorite colors, and I got green because that's stereotypical. I'm like thinking of that like Petra song. But that's that's gender specific. Blue is considered a gender specific thing. You should. Oh, that's true. Heck, which which one, John? The red is the color of the blood that flows. That's <gasps> yes. Yeah. The coloring song. Yeah, the coloring song. Hey, so when you guys go to like, um, oh, you go to an event yes, and they like that. say, put your hands together. Do you actually? Is your first inclination to clap, or is it just to put your hands together like once? <laughs> Because I always want to do that, like just sarcastically, just like one, and then just hold it, and then just stare at everybody else. It depends who I'm with and whether or not... Um, if I'm feeling snarky, I will. Exactly. Yeah. It's about feeling snarky. But it's also difficult, you know, with having such short arms being a little... Toronto <laughs> 
so it's difficult to clap at times. I, I keep forgetting about your tiny arms. That is that is true. You can't really put your hands together. Nope, yeah, it's very exactly. difficult. Hey, but I try. That's, we did a. We, that's that's so rough. Man. We did a poll on our uh, Facebook page. I don't know if you guys caught that, but um, what? No. We actually had twenty votes. Um, no big deal, you know. Twenty twenty people that voted. <gasps> and that's wow, awesome. it, that's like. More than yeah, that's 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 significant. So it was basically the question that I posed. This is like very scientific, right? Because I mean, you got a you got right. a sample size of twenty. You're getting like you're getting some good information, right? What, what was the poll um, about, John? I asked face tattoos, yay. That's like Harvard's yay or yeah. nay. I, <laughs> I would say yes. I remember that one, and I almost. I almost posted a response. <laughs> yes to yes to having one. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would say yes. You should have one can, so we can, can identify you. Have tattoos on their face. It's difficult because of the way that the scales are with everything. Mm. Uh, so you were thinking for yourself, not just generally. Correct. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't thinking for myself. Uh, I was just thinking generally. Do you like face tattoos? Um, and I, I was the one yes. <laughs> so I was the 5% that yet said yes. 95% said no. <laughs> I would like to point out, you just, the, the poll, because I'm on it right now at facebook.com slash masterminds, and it just says face tattoos colon. Yeah. It doesn't say whether or not we like them or whether or not they exist. No, you had the option whether to say yay or nay. Wait, a colon tattoo? Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. I think so. Just says face tattoos colon. Maybe and then yay or nay. Maybe the question wasn't clear enough. That's what I'm thinking. Hmm. Maybe maybe my study isn't quite as scientific as I thought. I'm so sorry. you didn't specify, John, whether is is it tattoos of faces or tattoos on faces? It doesn't say. Man, science is hard, guys. Like science is so hard. You have to be very specific. You know, it, it, like I was watching, uh, I was watching that TV show, The Minority Report. So, so which one is it, John? I, I was thinking of tattoos on your face, but I guess you could do a tattoo of a face on your face. I think that's been done, and it's oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you'd be two faced. You could, you could. That was oh a my dad goodness. joke. Uh, hmm. This is killing it. Speaking of killing, <laughs> did you hear about the guy that killed a cougar that with his so bare hands? <laughs> Sorry. Woo! Yes, I saw that on the news. Yeah. Do you know the details of it? I just read the headline and I thought that's crazy. That's but wow. like, is there okay. more details to the story? Like, um, yes, but it might take us politically. Uh -oh. I, I don't know, man. But anybody that can kill a cougar with their bare hands. You'd vote for him? I I can't. Wow. Just I mean, I I would I would you know, I I would I would, if 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 one of the guys' platform for for office was I killed a cougar with my bare hands, I'd be like, yeah, I could get behind. That's that all guy. I need to know. That is that's you got that and you're good. I would like to point out and looking yeah, at yeah. the story. Don't care what you believe. That doesn't matter. He says right. that um, he was doing his, quote, barbarian yell as best I could. 
that right there, like, if we have a candidate that could do a barbarian yell and then pair that up with killing a cougar, <laughs> then we're good. Because who – what what people do barbarian yells anymore? I don't even know sad. what that sounds like. Like, it's just a yell of, like, somebody very – does anybody want to try that? I, I don't – I don't think I can. Uh, your barbaric yawp. Have you ever watched Dead Poet Society where, where he, he talks about you, you release your barbaric yawp? No. Which is, of course, a quote from a poem. I, I've seen that movie, but I haven't seen it in so just, long. That was, but, like, when you said yawp. That was appropriate. I don't know. I just, you said yawp. I thought you said yelp. <laughs> Barbarian <laughs> yelp. <laughs> well, that's racist. It's like yelp yawp. We got a good Poor yelp barbarian. review it's, it's on Barbarian of, yeah, yelp. So. <gasps> oh, man. That would be awesome. That's what we need. <laughs> We need a Yelp review. Like Barbarian that. Yelp. Wait, that's a whole new app. <laughs> Barbarian Yelp. Yeah, it's food. Food there. <laughs> okay, where's the nearest village I can plunder? Okay. Oh, oh look, there we go. This village is 10 of 10. Great plunder here. <laughs> Sorry, just, I keep thinking like... 10 out of 10 Yeah, plunder. wood plunder again. Yeah. Very compliant. Wood plunder again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Hey, so uh, if you were going to give the Bible a rating, like I, I guess uh, I was actually talking to Theosaurus Rex about um, earlier. We were talking about video games, I think, and you said that there's a bunch of different ratings for video games, which is like goes in way more more depth than movies. Yes. Um, yeah. So if we were going to assume like that kind of rating scale, let's say a complicated one, um, right. how would you rate the Bible? Like for so content. So just give a real quick kind of recap. You so said with the um, uh, M for mature. Yeah, yes. I, I, I would think so. Because you've got mature, then you've got teen, then you've got um, uh, fourteen, and then there's E for everyone. But in it, they have to specifically say, you know, just mild drug use, you know, murder gore and stuff like that whereas just with um the normal motion picture association it's just like r for scary images but i don't like get necessarily details but i would definitely i think the bible would have to be given an, an m yeah it's very right. sad or rated right. r or an r rating if it was a movie yeah yes well, yeah like i'm remembering the scene where they, uh, where the uh, the king, one of those kings that they were conquering, like you know, is fled and escaped and stayed in a hidden tent, and the the woman drove a tent stake through his head into the ground, and I'm like, oh yeah, that not good. They're not gonna make a movie of that. I remember like my kid, like my oldest, um, when he was like, okay, I, I don't want a kid's Bible anymore. I want a regular Bible. Uh, and I remember uh -oh. thinking like, oh snap. This is not good. But I was like, I figured I'd just answer questions as he asked them. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, then you got to worry about the Song of Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what does it mean for... Right. Never mind. Why did they have... Where... <laughs> I don't know. It seems to be working so far. <laughs> He's like 14 now, so <laughs> we're okay. Oh. He hasn't really asked any questions, so I guess he figured it out. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I guess that was that was a question. Actually, I noticed that Theosaurus added some things to the ADD bum, bum, master bum. list. So I'm like, how much Good. of the Bible should we share with kids, and what risks do we run? Well, I was kind of helter skelter in how I did it. I'm like, here, here's a Bible. Ask me questions if you've got them. 
Parenting like, 101. I, I taught, um, I kind of ran a children's ministry right, for a little right. bit, and I did, I, we started in the book of Genesis, and we started there, and we went story by story nice. throughout the book of Genesis with all the little kids and everything. There are some things I omitted and other things I didn't, um, So, and I don't think I went too far in any area. So, like, you know the story with, um, oh, no, what was his name? <gasps> with Rachel and Jacob, where, like, he married the wrong person. You know, we Leah, kind of right? did up the wedding ceremony, and then it was the wrong person under it and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So, but, you know, there Leah. was some stuff in there. Yeah. You know, we just, we, we told the overall story yeah. but didn't include all the details. And I think we do, we run a disservice to kids and stuff like that if we don't tell all the stories. We may not have to have all the details, but if we don't tell the stories or the, the full detail or the full story, then they grow up, they hear these things, and they're like, oh. Hold on a second. I've been lied to all my life. Like King George and the Ducky. Yes. Yeah, because you, you can reword things and like reframe the story in a different <laughs> way to get the point across. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. He did what to the duck? He stole the duck. That's all. Oh, we need okay. To know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing that back to G rating. Yep. I, I could, I could make a. a I, I could make a rubber ducky joke, but I'm not going to. Um, oh my goodness! I just I so badly want to, and I'm not. Yeah, this isn't the money and power podcast, so we don't get all vulgar. I just yeah no. Me 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 me. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a Christian snap. podcast. Oh man, shade thrown. Oh 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 oh. oh. That's okay. They. I, I noticed, I know, actually, right? last time I was listening, they were talking about how in Canada you can't spank your kids. And they're like, every time I hear a bad idea, I just assume it's Canadian or it's John Howie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I didn't really respond to that. I just pretend I hadn't heard it. But, like, you know. And now if they listen, they'll know. Yeah, and if they don't, then. Oh, oh but that's we won't cold, know. man. Why we could won't they... know because maybe they'll choose not to respond either. Well, chances are, chances are they don't listen to us because. Because we don't man. talk politics, Do like why would they want to hear podcast? something that doesn't involve know. that? I mean, you know, like should they? We don't we don't talk about politics or money, so like yeah. We, we, I listen so to it every if you time. Listen to that, you could listen to their podcast, but we don't talk about that. So I I, I listen to our podcast every time I quote unquote edit it. <laughs> uh oh. Hey, I, I heard something really, really interesting. I guess this is kind of, this is still Bible related, but, um, you know, like there's just passages in the Bible that we use all the time or like terms we use from okay. the Bible that we like misunderstand. And I, I was listening to this podcast. It's called What You Missed in Church History. And he yes. talked about using the Lord's name in vain. And he started talking about, like, a lot of the scandals. And I think at the time, this was before the Baptist thing broke. But he was talking more so about, like, in, you know, the Catholic Church. And this would certainly apply to the Baptist Church, too, is the cover-ups over the abuses and all that, right? And he's like, right. why are we so much more right. upset when we hear about yeah, this going yeah. on in the church than anywhere else? And he said, this is because when we do things like that, we're doing them in the name of God. And it's like that is taking the Lord's name in vain. 
which when I heard that, when he was explaining that, I was like, well, that makes way more sense than like, oh, I stubbed my toe, yes. <laughs> you know, and you say right. something. But it also made me think, well, what about just aligning with people and saying this is, you know, this person, this actor's a Christian, therefore everything he says, <laughs> you know, I identify with, right? Like, because I, I remember when, like, Mel Gibson you know, made Passion of the Christ, and it was like, oh, cool, hey, he's one of us, and I was all stoked about it. And then, yeah, yeah, and then next thing you know, like, you find out that he's, like, being all anti-Semitic, and he's, like, sexually (laughs) harassing a police officer, and it's like, uh, okay, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I I hesitate to identify my faith with another (laughs) individual publicly. Like, I'm like... Yeah. Um, in the Old Testament, the name of God was how they described the attributes of God. So he wasn't just God. He was God who redeems or God who saves or God who is my banner. Or, you know, so when you say you take the name of God in vain, you're actually defaming who God is, not just saying something you shouldn't. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And then you think about Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Rifi. You know, I think that's the God who saves. But right. I like that. That that's, sounds. Yeah. Rifi. It's interesting. Ooh, but I, th- I think also one of the. Um, Rafiki, wasn't he the monkey in, in Lion King? <laughs> yes. Follow Rafiki, he knows the way. <laughs> that's one of the reasons why we, we have to really struggle with. You putting a, um, a you know, uh, what's it called? Recommending like political candidates or even like books and stuff like that. Like um, this on my Facebook, on my personal stuff, I've got all the stuff of everyone bad mouthing Love Wins and stuff like that. And like, oh, I just got my Love Wins book in today. I'm really excited to read this. And people are just like blowing it. You know, I got all the messages from back in the past. And it's really interesting. So, like, you know, I go, oh, here, I've, I've read this book, you know, Velvet Elvis, and it was yeah. awesome. And then you go in there and see, um, you know, oh, later on, like, I recommended someone that has turned out to be partially a heretic in some yeah. areas. So what do we do? Yeah. And, I mean, like, for me, I'm realizing I, I, <sighs> I'm seeing. That is not a simple question. Yeah. But I, is there anybody you can fully recommend, right? Is there anybody whose theolo- theolo- theology, theology <laughs> is perfect, right? I, I really – I like to take elements from <laughs> different people, right? People who are in the church and outside the church, and where I identify – where I find truth, I'll identify it. And, yeah. and yeah. I mean I'm not one to endorse a person, but I like to endorse an idea. I think that's a smart thing to do. And in truth is truth, no matter who says it. Exactly. exactly. But what if? But what if they said something wrong at one point in their life? We have to disown it, <laughs> else yeah. we're going to be recommending that one thing. Exactly. But <laughs> the the biggest way um, I I could address this, and I've heard a few people address it like this is to just say I defend ideas I don't defend a person because a person can have some good ideas and some bad ideas um, anybody who is a parent knows how this works <laughs> and um, 
And so, and, and of course, in today's political and societal climate, you can't challenge anybody's ideas without them accusing you of attacking the person. But that's that's ad hominem. We're not gonna we're not gonna go there. But if you have a bad idea, I will say that's a bad idea. You know, and then I will explain why. And it doesn't necessarily mean I I hate everything about you and I think you're a heretic and you should be burned at the stake. But it, then again, I know some people that are really good people that have really bad ideas. Myself being one of them. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I've been thinking today too, like I, I was listening to this guy talking about, um, drug addiction, right. And how like Portugal legalized every drug, which sounds nuts, but what they were able to do by legalizing every drug is instead of prosecuting, they were actually using that same money to get these people back on their feet and getting them back to work and bringing them back to community and he was talking about how, like, the opposite of addiction is community. So when we ostracize people who are addicted, we just cause them to be more addicted. And I was like, that's so counterintuitive, right? Like, this idea that it's like, instead of saying, if you don't stop using, we're not going to hang out with you. Instead, you say, I'm going to hang out with you even though you're using. And eventually what happens is community actually stops them from needing the drug. And so I was thinking... Well, this reminds me of Jesus and how he says, everyone says it's this way, but it's actually this way, right? And I was like, wow, that's so cool. That stuff is counterintuitive, just like Jesus' teaching, right? And I'm like, I see, I see Jesus in this idea because I'm like, it's, it's so counter to what we would think. That's Uh, yeah, I could see that in some cases. I wouldn't say that always things are counterintuitive, but um, just because it seems that way at first, you shouldn't immediately dismiss it. Or adopt it just because it seems like it's against conventional wisdom. <laughs> That'd be foolishness too, right? Oh, yeah. There's plenty of that, yeah. But I like being different. It's not my fault. <laughs> well, that and I, I guess that's what I was thinking about too when I uh, I, I was um, talking about how people say what we want to hear and we'll follow people that say what we want to hear. And what I want to hear is somebody who's saying everybody has it wrong. And so maybe I have a tendency to try to find that maverick <laughs> that is saying. We have it all wrong. And am I always going to follow that person? Because that's a really bad idea, too. That's a very interesting point. And I think if I were right. to look in my life, it tends to... I tend to like people that a lot of people don't like in terms of like reading and stuff like that. And I know especially when I was just getting out of college and or starting college and stuff like that, there were... You know, that's when Shane Claiborne first put out his book. That was like, like wow, church, the church is totally screwed up. You know, and, and there's that, that, that kind yeah. of whole thinking was really prevalent and that we need to get away from the church or we need to remake the church and stuff like that. But remake it from disowning, not necessarily disowning, and I'm not saying Shane said any of this stuff necessarily, but just the mindset that we need to just kind of abandon the traditional structural church the way it was and do our own things. 
And then right. now that I've you know, going through seminary and kind of growing up and stuff like that, I've kind of said, okay, well, maybe we should try to fix it from the inside and not just abandon everything. Because maybe traditions and, and structural things, there is some importance and some benefit to it. And I think that Definitely. we've got to kind of balance that out. But I know that during that time, like when I look, I'm looking up at my bookshelf, I have a whole section of like those books that I was reading at that time. And they're all just like, anyway, they're all, they're all just alike. And I, those are the books that I read like at that time. So it's very interesting that you would bring that up. Now I must think more. I've been um, thinking about how, like, I don't know, like, Jeff, Jeff as a musician, you listen to a ton of different artists, right, to kind of see if it'll inspire you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do that a lot. And what I'm, yep, what yep. I'm finding is, like, with ideas now, that's what I'm doing. I listen to ideas from a variety of sources, in hopes that, oh, I can pull a little bit of this from this. And, you know, and I mean, like, obviously, <laughs> you got to be grounded in Scripture, right? And I know, like, for me, I've been making it a daily practice that it's like the first thing I read is Scripture every morning before I go on to social media and all that or read the news because it's like I should be seeing it through that lens. Yeah. I think one of the things that I really struggled with at first when I when I really started digging into um, a spiritual walk and being filled with the spirit and things like that is uh, the whole that whole realm of theology was new to me. And so I, I listened to as much as I could. And a lot of the stuff that I listened to um, came from questionable sources. And so. But I listened to a lot of it, a lot of stuff, a lot of sermons, read a lot of books, read a lot of articles. And in that process, I could see patterns. And by absorbing that much material all in a short period of time, I was able to, and in some cases it could be confusing because you'll get, you'll get authors or speakers that have different viewpoints, right? And so if you intake a lot of information and you don't know how to sort through it or proof check it or whatever, you know, if you just listen to, you know, all these, these, you know, speakers who will just tell you what you want to hear, like John said, um, yeah, it, it'll, it'll mess up your mind because you, you're not hearing any, uh, contrary things that stop and make, make you think, uh, oh gee, you know, what do I, what do I really believe about this? You know? And so by, by really absorbing a large amount of information, some of it I, I was able to go, okay, I know there's some truth to this. Maybe some of the illustrations were kind of blown out of context, but the underlying premise of it is correct, and I need to study that more. And then other things that I listened to were like, no, man, that's way off base. I don't see any scriptural support for that, but maybe I missed something, and so I would you know listen to it again or listen to something else that they had talked about, you know, to kind of get a, a frame of reference for their, their method of thinking. And a lot of times, um, I, I can go back now and look at some of the sermons that I listened to a year or two ago and go, you know, that sermon, listening to that sermon caused me to move forward in my spiritual walk to a place that I wouldn't have gone otherwise, yeah. but I don't necessarily agree with everything that he's saying either. Well, exactly. But just the fact that he said those things and challenged me, and I thought about it, and I had uh, right, and I had to form an opinion about it. That was useful in and of itself, even though not 
everything that he said, I think, is correct. Totally. So, okay. Totally. And it, we get stretched in different ways. Like, I, I think a lot... I used to think of, like, even just musical influences this way. Uh, have you ever seen a fashion show? And, like, some of the, like, ridiculous stuff that people wear in a fashion show? And it's like, that's stupid. No one would ever wear that. But the point... I've No, I've, I've never seen one. Neither have I. I've never seen one, John. Tell me what that's like. <laughs> I don't think I've actually watched one. I've just seen photos of, like, just stupid outfits people wear, right? <laughs> but, um, but, like, when you see, like, those stupid outfits, I remember somebody explained to me that it's, like, the, re- the idea is to show a trend. So someone's wearing, like, a hat that's a box. I don't know. That's a Kleenex box or something stupid, right? And you look at it, and you're like, that's so stupid. But the idea is, like, okay, well, the new trend is... It's a caricature. Yeah, it's a caricature, but it's it's to indicate a trend that people actually will wear eventually. And I find like the that's really why I started Christian Musicians Musicians is I was like right. I want people to be able to share that ridiculous music that most people won't listen to but artists listen to because it influences them. And so I find like a lot of what I'm reading it's like, well, I don't really, I don't really agree yes. with a lot of this, but it's giving me an idea of what the worldview is from that point of view. And I mean, you got to be very grounded in scripture and, you know, be one of those people, you know, where it's like my sheep know my voice, right? It's like, we have to commune daily with God. So we know his voice. Right. So that we're not drawn away by this stuff because we are in the world, but we got to continue to not be of it. Oh, man, I was just reading that in the book of John just like a day or two ago. We were talking about the sheep hears his voice. Wednesday night at church, our pastor was talking about that. And uh, and he was using it to as an illustration of uh, believers hear God because the sheep know the, the shepherd's voice. And I read through that again, and I was like, right after that, Jesus explains to the disciples where he says, um, he says, you can only get into the sheepfold through the gate and there's others that try to go into the sheepfold some other way besides the gate but they're deceivers and liars and you know the the truth is not in them and then right after that in like the next chapter he says i am the gate and uh jesus says that and it just and, and i was like that is a perfect argument for saying jesus is the only way to salvation he's the only way into the sheepfold so I just wanted to throw that out there. That just reminded me of that when you said that. Well, I was thinking today, too, like about like no one can get to the Father but by me. And I'm like, that's a really loaded statement. Like I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that because it's yeah. like we say, oh, yeah, no, no, no. you got to ask Jesus into your heart, and then you don't go to eternal time torment. And I'm like, I, I think there's more to it than that. Like, what, is, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? I don't think it is you just say the sinner's prayer and then you've got fire insurance. Like, the, it's that daily dying to self. Absolutely. Right? It's that daily dying to self. And it's like, and I, I guess, like I said, com- communing with God and, and, and learning his voice. And, like, there's just, it's is delving into this mystery of God, which is such an amazing thing. And I feel like we as Christians have sold that short. 
and haven't really recognized just how deep all of this is. Like there's, there's so much out there, like so much out there that God has for us. And it's, you know, just learning. There's so much learning to do. And I'm just, absolutely. That's my day to day. And it's like, that's should be all of our day to day. Right. It's like these, he's, he's speaking to us. I mean, he's speaking to us through creation, and that's so powerful. I just finished. <laughs> I just finished reading uh, "The Fear of the Lord" by John Bevere, and I don't know if you're familiar Heretic. with him. He um, said one thing at some point in the past. He is a that uh, was off charismatic preacher. Why am I thinking like a butler or chef Boyardee when you say that name? <laughs> John Bevere? I don't know. But yeah, well, right, exactly, Rex. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, he might have he might have said something that someone agreed, disagreed with. Um, but the book actually was really, really, really good. And I thought, because um, when I read charismatic preachers' books, I generally am looking for, my, my senses are on alert. I'm looking for heresy, right? I've got the pitchfork and the torches ready to go. And I'm like, okay, I'm just waiting for you to say something that I'm going to jump on, right? Um but he didn't do that. He even actually talked about end times and revelation, and and he he came from it from a very good approach, and I was just really impressed by that. But the one thing that the whole book is about that really impressed me is just how much we don't revere, we don't uh, recognize God as mighty anymore. We talk about God's love all day long, but his holiness his greatness, his power, we kind of, <laughs> no, not Mr. Belvedere, no, John Bevere, um, God's power funny. and glory Sorry, guys. is really kind of passed by, you're terrible, you're terrible, John. Sorry, I messaged him during Anyways. this for the listening so, audience, it's, mis- I thought his approach to it was really good. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's it's good though, but it, I never really thought about it like that before, you know. And it's something that no, I probably don't agree with everything John Bevere says, but at this point, he was right on. And the way that he explained our lack of reverence for God and how, when His glory was revealed in the Old Testament, and when His glory was very present, His judgment was very swift. Like uh, when Uzzah touched the ark and died, or when Aaron's sons offered strange fire and died. Um, but years later, uh, we see um, we see Eli's sons that are hanging out with temple prostitutes in the temple in the tabernacle, and they are getting away with it. And so, but at that time, it said that God's glory was very dim and His presence was not there, and so. In times like that, when God's presence is not heavy on the people and it's not bright on the people, um, his judgment is delayed. And, I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. And we lose our fear of the Lord. And right now, we don't see God's glory in, like, for instance, in America. We don't see it manifested like it was in the Old Testament with fire and clouds and light. and, And, but if we did... God's judgment would be so swift on the heels of that that 
we would we would be like destroyed instantly. So Crazy. Like, it like in the the Israel in the Old Testament, they're like, no, you talk Moses, you talk to God, because if we talk to Him, we'll die. You know, we can't handle the glory of God. The judgment is too much. We can't do this. And we've completely lost sight of that. And now we treat God flippantly, and uh, because we don't recognize His glory, His power, His judgment anymore. You know. Anyway, I'm talking too much. You guys go ahead. No, no, no. That's good. And I mean, I think this kind of, it's that same, you know, we were talking about using the Lord's name in vain. It's like when we're flippant about him, we don't take him seriously. And so we don't worry about how we represent him either. Right. And that's temple prostitutes and all that. Right. Like clearly there was a problem there. Man, though, like it's it's funny because it's like, okay, well, we got to take his glory seriously so that his judgment is swift, which that's scary. (laughs) But then again, sometimes it's we want his judgment to be swift because there's so many evils out there in the world. And it's (laughs) like, come on, God. That's true. Some people will argue and say, well, if God were real, then why does why is this allowed to happen? Well, Yes, but if, if we – so that is a good point with the exception that he chooses not right. to exact out perfect, you know, vengeance and all that kind of stuff on us. And thankfully, you know, it's, it's a good thing that he doesn't do that. And um, But then there are other times where it's like, man, that would be really good. We need some of that that judgment and stuff like that in yeah. here. Yes. So it's, it's really, really tough. That's interesting because it's kind of like to have the high highs, you got to have the low lows, you know, kind of like emotional, you know, the way we deal with emotions. It's like, no, I'd rather just be numb. But I mean, if we want if we want the real God, we need to revere him and our highs will be high and the lows will be low. Everything will be real instead of this numb existence we live in right now. Yes. Absolutely. Very true, John. So Theosaurus had another question. At what point does pushing someone to be better turn into abuse? And I have a rationale that made me think of this, and it was terrible. I went to um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter over um, the, earlier in the week, and um, uh, so kind of did a mini family vacation. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> you can disregard everything I say from this point on. <laughs> actually, hold up. This actually. Go, let me go back just for a second on the other thing. Um, one <laughs> of the things that I've always done and is really important for me is like if I'm really into a book or like a speaker or something like that, I will share stuff from like you know whatever book I'm reading or a sermon I'm listening to stuff like, with a group of people who I know I can trust and who would who look at things critically as well. And I think that's ah. really helped me kind of stay on track. So, like, right now I'm listening to um, Blood, Guts, and Fire, the Gospel According to Leviticus by ah. um, Rob Bell. And so on our um, on my family's trip down to Florida, we was like, hey, guys, we're going to listen to an audio commentary on Rob Bell or on Leviticus. And my mom and dad were like, uh, okay, this might be interesting. And so... But as we're listening to it, we'll pause it and like talk about things. And at one, t- one point, Dad was like, uh, "I don't really agree with this at all." But we will let's hear how he you know, he fleshes out this particular topic. And other times, it was like, "Oh yeah, this is really good." And so I want to encourage anyone who may be listening: if you're really into like a new author or like a 
particular pastor or something like that, make sure that you have other people around that can like look at things critically as well. Because I know like when I get swept up into like an idea or a flow of something, I'm just like I'm, I way overdo it. And um, so, and I, and I don't think I necessarily am as critical because I because I've learned yes. something from them or I've gotten something out of it. And it's like okay, I can't like just completely write this person off. And then I I think I become sympathetic. And I'm extra charitable to something that they're saying or whatever. And I think that's one of the reasons why I haven't written Rob Bell off completely. Because he's said some things and I've learned some things from him. It's like, oh, if, I, if, I, if I'm way too critical and don't look at what he's saying and it's extra charitable, then there could be issues. I like that word charitable. Yeah, I really like using it. It's really hard to separate ideas from the person. For sure. Totally. Especially... When a person is like really just like hitting it, like yes, they've got twelve things that were awesome and that have like changed my life, and then this one thing that's kind of like terrible. I think then you I, begin to just trust the person. I, I think I talked about this before, where I'm like, when I have an idea, like when there's an idea that I really like, I like to share it, and I think maybe it's best to keep the person that came up with the idea keep it out of it, <laughs> so that it doesn't seem like I'm endorsing that person. You know, and that's totally plagiarism. But <laughs> I think I was but saying. But there's an idea that may work. I was saying to Jeff before, yeah, I got to stop crediting people <laughs> with these ideas all the time because after a while, it's like, oh, so you really like so and so? And I'm like, well, not really. I just like these ideas that this person has, but it doesn't mean I really like that person. <laughs> or, you know, I'm not a fan. I'm not a super fan. It just seems that way, right? Just. My Facebook is littered with their quotes. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't know. I think oh. maybe even just repurposing something that you learn from somebody, I think, is 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 a good way to go. And yeah. I and what you said about betting is is spot on. Like I, I think it's similar to when you start dating somebody. Be willing to let your friends vet that person, your friends and family vet that person. So I think it's the same thing with ideas. It's like test them out and let people, you know, yeah. know that it's like, you know what, I've got this idea that I learned from a book I was reading, but I, I want to test it out. Can you guys test it out? Because it seems great to me. Yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely agree. It's very wise. Uh, so back to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yes. Um, definitely. So my, uh, my mom, so my dad doesn't read the books and all that kind of stuff. So he's yes. like, yeah. But my um, my mom and I, um, that's kind of something that, that we do. We do um, we anyway. So um, we're walking around there, and my mom has she hurt her ankle. She broke her leg in three places and stuff like that. And so she, even though that was a while ago, she has a couple issues. And so we're walking around, and I'm like, "Hurry, we gotta get to Hogwarts. We gotta get to Hogwarts." And mom's like, "No, I gotta sit down and rest." And I'm like, "But we gotta get to Hogwarts. We gotta get to Hogwarts." And so I would impart, and she's like, "Let, let me get a wheelchair." And I'm like, no, we can't. You don't need a wheelchair. You're a you know, strong woman, all that kind of stuff. And so I started thinking, I was like, huh, what if, like, so my thing was, let's push because, you know, you, you know we've got to be able to do this because, yeah. you know, you don't need the wheelchair. You're just, you know, it's just, it's not, yes, it would be easier, but you can push through and do this. But then I thought, what if I'm actually, like, hurting her? Yeah. And then I took it out of there to the sense of, so sometimes when we're, we're loving on someone, you know, and they may not necessarily, like, 
or you know like in terms of trying to help them grow like spiritually or get rid of a bad habit or something like that at what point does that really become abuse where we're like yes you shouldn't do that and then we just like really harp on them or um like if someone's got a drug problem it's like well i'm not going to give you any money well yeah but now i'm out on the streets and i won't be able to you know live well maybe you shouldn't do drugs then so where do we draw the line between like we're doing this, we're doing this out of tough love, or we're doing this because we know that you can do better, or you know you don't need that handicap or that crutch or whatever the case is, and then where does that turn into something like abuse, where we're like, even if because we don't necessarily mean to, and like in my case with my mom, I wasn't trying to be mean or anything like that. I was doing it because I know she can do it, and it would be, it would be easier if we were in the wheelchair thing, right. or if she had the wheelchair. But I know that she can walk, and she's done it before, and she does it again, and she. She's a great trooper during it, but um, and you know we took breaks and stuff like that. But you know, so it's just so where do we draw that line between helping people and abusing them? Man, that's tough. Because I, I mean, obviously it depends on the situation, but it's like how I mean, like for me, I think if I was in that situation, I'd want to know what did her doctor say about what her limitations were? Because I think maybe yeah. the doctor has a better idea than she does. Right. Um, so in the case with mom, she's, you know, the doctors freed her to do, you know, whatever. And it's been, yeah. you know, 20 something years, but there's still some ramifications that happen because of it. Right. You know, so she's not as nimble or as agile. Because I, I'm thinking there's a lot of different scenarios this applies to, right? Like yeah. emotionally, right? And it's like somebody experienced trauma or whatever. And I mean, like, it's something you got to be careful with and like have a real listening ear to that person too, right? And yeah. I, I think, you know, like, I, I, I kind of, I posted about this on Facebook where I said, like, facts may not care about your feelings, but I do. And it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing to a certain guy. Utterly that destroyed. Likes to utterly somebody. destroy people. But yes. I was thinking about, like, and the, the reason why I said it um, was because I, I think that we kind of get into this mode now where we're like, feelings don't matter. Feelings don't matter. Feelings don't matter. And I'm like, okay, I I think if we make every decision based on feelings, that's completely stupid. But, and I get where people are coming from on that, but I think that feelings do matter. I think that feelings are part of the data set. They're not the most important data set in every situation, but they are part of the data set. So we do need to consider that. And you know, you consider, right. you know, we know feelings can be based on false facts, right? So let's look yeah. at those facts now. Like, now that we've seen the feelings, let's see if the facts that those feelings right. are based on are actually legit. So it's like, well, I feel like I can't go on. Okay, well, let's go back now and figure out why you feel like you can't go on. And maybe right. that's legit. Maybe it's not. And maybe we need to do kind of like that backwards kind of right. checking on things anyways. And I think that applies to basically every scenario, right? It's like, well, what are we basing these feelings on? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess it'd be the same for reading those charismatic books, too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Feelings can be a confirmation of what you know to be true. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that we, especially as men, we get into a habit of saying, you know, that we're just going to ignore our feelings and push through because that's what men do. And it's like there's a reason why you're sad. There's a reason why you're depressed, right? And it's like find out what that reason is. Um, 
I actually wanted to talk a little bit about this. I um, was listening to a podcast where this guy was talking about how during stress and anxiety, it's like your amygdala kicks in. And um, the amygdala is like what they call the lizard brain. Um, And it's like you're not really thinking. You're just fight or flight, right? Like it's like your brain isn't really thinking properly. And so what this pastor actually said is the best thing to do when you're in that situation is to find some gratitude. So it's like, oh, no, my car got a flat tire. And then you're like, oh, but I'm really blessed that I have a car. Because, like, what happens is you kind of snap out of that, like, panic, panic, can't even think. And then you're starting to think rational again. Like, all it does is take a little bit of gratitude. I've been trying that this week. I had a hard week. But it's like I was trying that out. And I was like, this is cool. Like, I'm actually doing really well through some stressful situations. I think it does help. It's one of those... um But then you also get to the point where, uh, in some ways, it could almost like diminish things. If you're like, oh, my job is terrible, and this is right, but at least I have a job. Well, yes, it is 100% awesome, and that is something we need to take into account. But then, could it lead to something where you're like, you know, at least I have a job, so I should just deal with whatever this negative situation is at my job? Maybe this abusive or power hungry boss. You know, because other people probably have it worse than me, you know, at my job. Or, oh, well, this, you know, could it lead in some ways to settling for something negative? I don't think it should be a denial. I was thinking yeah. about this, too. Yeah, worst case scenario, you're in a situation where everything's 10% terrible. Or, sorry, 90% terrible and 10% good, right? And you look at yeah. that 10% good and you're like, well, the good thing is is that I still have a paycheck and I'm able to make rent. The bad thing is... I want to die every morning because I hate my job. <laughs> right? I mean, just look at that, right? right? No, it makes sense. And so it's like, okay, so what's the rational <laughs> thing to do? Well, I'm going to trudge on in this job while I look for a new one because that 90% isn't working for me. But that 10% is, well, good, I'm still paying the rent while I look for a job. So, Theosaurus Rex, have you heard of um, the home LASIK kit um that came out from um acme lasers i did not tell me more about this um well jeff and i advertised it like i don't know probably like a year or so ago um and we asked our we asked everybody to try it out because doug or (laughs) jeff and i hadn't tried it out um we never really heard back from anybody about it Uh um I, I think it's a good idea because, I mean, like, who wants to actually go to the doctor to get LASIK surgery um, when you could just get a kit and do it yourself? Um, and so I, somehow Acme has a surplus of these. Um, and so it's 90% off right now. That is – tell me, where can I go to get this? I need to buy it because maybe it might help my myoptic vision to become myoptic. You actually have to go to acmelasers.com, and okay, uh, it should there. be the featured product. The featured product, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's in the top left corner of the website. I, is it spelled with a Z or an S? Yes. S. Okay, cool. 
I will order that afterwards. I probably shouldn't focus on this one here. <laughs> okay. Hey, so you were asking, so we were talking a little bit about depression and stuff, right? Um, you, you were wondering what are the go-to songs? What are your go-to songs specifically when down and depressed? Jeff, do you have something that you like to listen to when you're down or depressed? Uh, yeah. Um, let me think for a second. Uh, I like listening to upbeat music, probably a lot of Motown, um, Motown funk tower of power, uh, earth, wind and fire, just something that's just kind of energetic and makes you feel good and um, makes you want to dance. That, that generally gets me out of a funk. Uh, or, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody knows the words to that song. Nope. Right? That was really good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I wonder what this like says about personality types. I'm a number one, by the way. Yeah. I, I don't know. Jeff, have you done Enneagram at all? It's based off of pentagram cult. Any what? Exactly. Enneagram. It's like nine different personality types. I've done uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator, if you know what that is. I know nothing about it. I just know that it's like probably the most popular form of test, right? Here. Yeah. How about I give you a quick rundown on this? I'll just tell you the titles on Uh, these. Okay, yeah. so number one is the reformer, that sounds which great, is too. actually what you are, right? The Asaurus. That is what I am. Uh, number two is the helper. Number three. That's my secondary. Number three is the achiever, which is my secondary. Uh, number four is the individualist, which is my main type. Number five, the investigator. Number six, the loyalist. Seven, the enthusiast. Eight, the challenger. And nine, the peacemaker. The fact that you wanted happy, upbeat songs when you're sad makes me think you might be the enthusiast. The busy, fun-loving type. Spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Uh, Well, that's pretty accurate, (laughs) I would say. That or number two. I I, I was trying to figure out what, yeah, it, I, I was trying to figure out, like, for me, and, like, uh, I was in this uh, bunch of, in this group, and they're all Enneagram people, and I'm like, so what What should I do to determine my type? And they said, read this book, and then whatever one, like, really hits you about, like, the negatives on it, <laughs> then you'll know that's your type, right? And so, for me, it's, like, the individualist, it's, like, the sensitive, withdrawn right. type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. I was like, ouch, ouch. But it's, I can be that way, right? And right. I'm realizing, like, emotions are such a big part of me, right? It's like they say that number four is emotions. And so when you, when you were talking about your upbeat music, I'm looking at the song that I picked, and it's like, have you ever heard the song Closer? It's a Bethel song. Um, oh. And there's this part of this song that just hits me so oh. hard every time I hear it. And it's like, pull me a little closer, take me a little deeper. I want to know your heart. Right? And it's like, because your lo- love's so much sweeter than anything I've tasted. And they say, your love's so much sweeter than anything I've tasted for most of the song. But then you get to the end and it's like, because your love is so much stronger than anything I'm facing. 
And I was like, Woo. oh. And that just hits me like a ton of bricks every time. Huh. And it's just like knowing that God's love is just so much, so much stronger than anything I'm facing. And I'm like, I need to hear that sometimes. That it's like, yeah. he's, yeah. he's got this. And I guess when we talk about like the, you know that that reverence for God, knowing that He's on your side on a particular issue, and knowing that He's going to act fast is incredible. For sure. That's like, I yeah. love hearing about. Um, That's big. In uh, in blood guts and fire, Rob he kind of in the first like hour, um, he's kind of going through the setup to Leviticus. And about how God hears the cries of the oppressed, going through Exodus and about where the Israelites were, and about that, you know, this is the whole book of Leviticus is setting the stage to say, hey, look, there are other gods out there, but this is the God of the oppressed. This is the God that hears the cries of his people. This is the God that sets things up differently, that gives value to people who were formerly mm. slaves, that goes and fight. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, yes, this is amazing. Mm. And um, at one point I was like, woo! And then, it, I didn't. I hadn't listened to that part before. <laughs> but I said I did the woo, and then like Rob goes says exactly. That's what I'm saying. I know you probably wooed or something along that line. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, this is perfect. He's listening. Yeah. So, <laughs> so good. But it was just such a good truth, and it's just like that's just you know it, it inspires me and helps me better. Yes. For me, one of my go-to songs because um, we're having a lot of stuff going on with us. Um, uh, Five Iron Frenzy, my favorite band that stopped existing and now exists again, um, they have in one of their newer songs. Yes, it is yes, a, um, yes. A, a yes. song about, oh, what was it? It's not Hope's, A Dark and Stormy Night. And um, in it they talk about, you know, I've, I've been waiting with half-hearted dreams for a promise that I've, yes. I've not yet seen. I'm still hoping that hope still flies. And um, it's just this whole thing of, you know, things are terrible, but God is. And then it, towards the end, it says, I know that hope has not forgotten me. I've waited for the longest. And it's just like the idea that, there, that things are bad and we're acknowledging that, but that we have hope and we can have hope. And so songs that kind of inspire me and speak of the way that things can be and that it's achievable. Man. Like that tends to be kind of my go-to for when things are like sad and then I just need kind of like a, an anthem. And I think it kind of fits into my number one Enneagram type as well. Because of the way things could be. Yeah, I actually, I saw Five Iron Frenzy a couple of years ago. So did I on their. Uh, oh, what was it? Yeah, it was. It was uh, literally a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, it was so yeah, good. Yeah, come back tour, and yes. you know what happened? I, I've, I found out that uh, the the drummer Andy has renounced his Christianity, and so that nullifies anything that they could have possibly... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> he didn't know no, to kidding. begin with. Not sharing a quote from them, I'm spreading Satanism. Uh-oh. M lyrics, though, hey? It's, it's, Reese, it's Reese that writes the lyrics, and he's, he's still faithful. I know I know that he's, he's still faithful, because... No. He writes most of them, yeah. So it's like only God knows the heart, right? Exactly. <laughs> I keep thinking that. It's like only God knows the heart. And I, uh, that's what I find so interesting about these individuals who have lost so much of their faith, 
But yet when they talk about Jesus, it's like there's still something there. Like I still see a flicker there. And I'm trying to figure out what that is. Like there's something going on there. Yes. And I, I've been thinking a lot, too, about how um, Jesus should be our focal point. Jesus is our best way of sharing the gospel. I mean, that's a stupid statement. But I, I feel like, you know, if Christianity has a PR problem, I think really what we need to do is share Jesus. Because there's not anybody that's like, yeah, I'm not interested in that Jesus guy. Oh, Jesus was so dumb. <laughs> yeah, like nobody says that. Yeah. Well, that's what it. If only yeah, Jesus. Nobody says that. I think <laughs> I actually have a book, and it's called. I hear um, Christians I love Jesus, but I can't stand his followers. Yeah, exactly. Or along that lines. Exactly. And it's like we want the real Jesus, and I, I think that like there's a lot of people who have experienced a counterfeit Jesus, and I encounter so many people who are telling me. About this counterfeit yeah. Jesus, and I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't like that Jesus either, <laughs> right? Right. And it's like, but it's like when you share the real Jesus, people are like, whoa. It's like that's blowing my mind in a good way. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to worship a God that sends people to hell without an option. You're right. Good. Mm -hmm. Neither am I. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, I was uh, read this oh, book about uh, Paul. It's Paul so, Paul behaving badly. I don't know if you've read that book. I haven't yet. It's by the same guys who wrote Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, which I thought was really <gasps> good too. Um, oh, I was talking with someone about that book. Have you read it? Have you read it? I haven't, but one of my um, someone I work in purchasing, and so one of my vendors was um, telling me about that book. Yeah, it's, she was reading it, and it was giving her really good insight into the way that like Christianity is supposed to be. Wow. Mm -hmm. Because it's like we, we're so quick to apply our cultural context to Christianity. Awesome. And it's like American Jesus or Canadian Jesus, right? And it's like, what, what is the real Jesus? But like, anyways, this book, Paul Behaving Badly, um, talked about all these different things, all these negative things people can say about Paul. Because unlike Jesus, Paul is a guy that a lot of people don't like, right? It's like he right. was arrogant. He was misogynist. He was, you know, there's all these things. And so basically this book breaks down every one of those and defends Paul, right? And so one of the things that Paul says is, follow my example. And it's like, well, that seems pretty arrogant to say that. But the more I thought about it and the more I read about this, I was like, every one of us should be able to say that. Follow my example. Well, because, because it's like when I stumble, when I fall, I look to Christ to pick me back up, right? Yeah. I'm going to admit my mistakes. I'm going to make it clear to people that I am admitting my mistakes. And if I'm doing that, if I'm maintaining, you know, if I'm continuing to be humble when I mess up, I am setting a good example, right? And it's right. like because... I, I yeah. feel like we, we've we made enough excuses right. and said, don't look to me, look to him. And it's like Paul was willing to say, follow my example. And it's like, so why aren't we able to say that? 
I think mm. sometimes we may think it, but we don't want to say it because it may come off as like being arrogant or something along that. Line. Yeah, I would. I don't think I would ever actually legit say that to somebody. Follow my example. But I want to live a life. I want to live a life that people can follow. Yeah. So I'm not saying this on the podcast, guys. Follow my example. I'm just hinting at it. We should totally follow your example. <laughs> That's what I'm getting out of. But just <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so I, I, I figured... follow John's example. I I don't I. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not all of it. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> John's like, wait. wait. <laughs> so I don't know. Theosaurus Rex, you said Twitter is dumb. How would you know? You haven't been on Twitter in like what three weeks? Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, we are on February seventh. I made truth a mistake to our. An article was published saying, hey, there's a new emoji we can use to make fun of men. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. So I tagged the, uh, the person in the, my response and said, if you, um, you know, hey, if you keep writing articles like this, you're going to have to enroll in some coding classes. Uh, it's my first time I ever interacted with the person and all that kind of stuff. And um, I've been banned so far for three plus weeks. So it's been very sad. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand that. And they say it's because of my abusive behavior wow. and um, the fact that I was harassing her. I guess you were kind of implying that she's going to lose her job. Maybe they found that offensive. Maybe. Uh. But see, it, but that kind of goes with like an overall like meme. Like back in the day, the journalists, like when um, the uh, manufacturing industry was doing really bad here in the U.S., they were saying, hey – these coal miners need to learn how to code instead of coal mining because coal mining is dead. And so it's a throwback right. to that. But still, it's very sad. And th- Twitter was my, my main way of like communicating with people. And so the only way I can get it back sooner until I go through this ban that they haven't told me how long it is is to yeah. remove the tweet and admit that I was harassing um, through removing the tweet which will make me look bad. So I don't know if I should sacrifice my morals to speak, to be able to speak to people again. Is it? Would you say sacrificing your morals, or is it like taking back that sick burn? You can't, you can't win nope. that game. Well, I would say sacrificing because then I would be admitting that I did that, and I didn't do that, and that was not right. my intention, and I didn't do anything surrounding that behavior. I didn't call people out on her. I didn't say anything mean. I really actually didn't even, like, tweet her. It was a, hello, Vice, and da-da-da-da. So, but I don't know. It's, um... I don't know. It's bizarre. I don't understand it. That's the only thing I would say is, like, maybe maybe they saw it as you trying to say that person should lose their job, which is kind of an interesting thing that I see a lot of. Right. You know? Because, like, you look at, like, like, sports, right? If I look at sports and I say, like... They say that. They use that all the time. That people should lose their job? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, where? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Do you do that on Twitter? Like, like all over Twitter? Like, all over Twitter? They do that all the time? Say that people should lose their job? Yes. Yeah, all, all day long? Yeah, I know. I, I What is up with that, though? 
Like, okay, it's, I don't say that, but a lot of people but do. But, like, yes, in, in sports for sure, like, you'd look at that and say, yeah, that guy shouldn't be the coach or that guy should not be our starting whatever, whatever sport it is, right? And then, I mean, in politics, too, it happens. It's like that guy should lose his job as, you know, whatever, right? And it's like you wouldn't say that about, like, your garbage man, would you? <laughs> I guess that'd be kind of a jerk thing to say about your garbage man. Or, oh, man. It's like, that cashier should be fired. She broke my eggs, right? Some people would. But But it's like there's this, like, as soon as you're removed from the situation, as soon as there's enough degrees of separation, you can then treat people the way you wouldn't treat someone you actually know. Ooh, that's a good point. Oh, wow. Look at you bringing it back. Right. Uh, But I was... um, I was uh, listening to Dax Shepard, who was talking about, like, how he felt like his identity was that he was the guy that gets involved. So if he sees someone being mistreated, he would jump in and he would fight, you know? And so he was – and he always thought, that's who I am. I'm the guy guy that gets involved, right? right? And his wife, Kristen, Kristen Bell – you know, like was talking to him and said, like, hey, like, you got to stop doing that every time. And he decided that he would pull back at his wife's advice and he would he would not get involved every time something. And he said, you know, what's weird is as soon as I decided not to get involved, there were far less situations where I felt I should. And it's like almost like when you're looking for something, you will always find it. Yep. Yeah. Right. Oh, when you're a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yes, I love that saying. It's a great saying. I don't know if the. So we can edit this out, I guess, if it if it gets political, because I'm not meaning for it to. But there's like you know you have the people who who are constantly like looking for not necessarily people to for, for them to be oppressed, but looking for people to treat them kind of in a bad way. So they can justify like a belief they have about oppression or whatever the case is. Um, I have an uncle who does that, and you know it's really annoying. But yeah, and they're looking to be victims, and it's like, dude, there is so much evil out in the world. You don't have to look around for it just because it's not happening to you like immediately. So let's not take the spotlight off of the actual evil happening, so that you can feel better or you can feel more oppressed about things. Right. And it kind of I keep thinking of the line from. Lord of the Rings, which doesn't necessarily like super apply, but just there's so much um, there's so much death out in the world. Let's not be so eager to deal deal it out ourselves. And it's I think it works both ways on that without getting political. Um, <laughs> but I mean, what I'm thinking is like I uh, I've, I'm sure this is a saying someone's used, but I like to think it's mine. I'm like, do not be quick to offend. Do not be quick to be offended. If we all could live by that, I think the world would be a much better place. Probably. Yeah. And w- what's funny is, like, if you look at language, right? So when I'm in a certain group of people, if I use certain words, it will trigger them. Trigger, trigger. And I could be talking, I could be talking about, like, you know, the most liberal people, but I could also be talking about the most conservative people, right? Because yeah. you know that when you get in church circles, there's certain words that you cannot say Poo-poo. ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
And then when you get into like even a work situation yep. too, there's certain words you just cannot say, right? And it's like Geeky. we we've got to be conscious of. I mean, I think again, this is like back to the using the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> it's like how are we representing Christ in this situation, right? And knowing that like everywhere we go there's a different audience there's a different group of people so it's like who do i need to be to these people and i was listening to this episode of fairly spiritual and the guy was talking about how it's like living double lives and how every one of us has kind of an inner personality and an outer personality and he's like, and we always think of that as a bad thing, but is it really a bad thing? Like, when you go to your kid's baseball game and you're bored and you say, this game sucks, you're thinking this game sucks, you don't do it out loud. You don't yeah. say, I'm bored, this game sucks, can we go home? <laughs> like, Or you do, and you're just like, you're that guy. A two-year-old would say that. <laughs> right? right. But yeah, it's like, don't be that guy, though, right? And so I think there's, like, propriety. Yeah. In, in, and I, I guess... You know, in that situation, when you know that someone is being is playing the victim, and it doesn't even have to be political. It can just be that individual that's like, oh, poor me. Yeah. This is me. Everybody just treats me like garbage. And it's like, no, you're looking for reasons to think that, right? For sure. It's like, what is, what is the proper way for us to deal with that as Christians? What's the proper way to be Christ to that person in that situation? And maybe this is back to that feeling thing. My gosh, all these themes are coming together. Um, it's a Christmas uh, miracle. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, so what are these feelings based on? What facts are your feelings based on right now? Can we right. go back that up and see? Let's test those. It's like almost like testing the foundation in a building. It's like, let's just, yeah. let's just move this a little bit and see. Oh, that's shaky. That's shaky. I think we need to replace that. That's a good point. I, there is, and this isn't on the list, but there's an idea. Um, I, my my brother-in-law, we think this may be him, but it's a um, uh, it's a covert narcissist, and the idea is that the covert narcissist is someone who, unlike a narcissist who's success, who is successful and then is able to be all, you know, they're really arrogant and stuff like that surrounding it. A um, covert narcissist is someone who believes they should be successful, but they're not. And so they oh, always have gosh, to blame yes. it on someone outside of themselves. And they have to blame it on situations and things like mm-hmm. that. And I think that kind of applies with what you're saying. Like that. Yeah. Because they should be, they should own their own business, but they I think don't we all because do. <laughs> so and so, you know, something has happened and they deserve yeah. to have this, but they can't. And I oh think that gosh, kind yeah. of fits in what you were saying. It doesn't have to be political. Um, it's just it's there's some people they need something to blame because they don't want to look at themselves, and that maybe like a, maybe it's a Jesus thing where like if they admit they have fault flaws or faults, then that means uh oh do I actually need a savior, or could it be just a thing of if I admit I have faults then then I have to go and fix something or do something differently about my life. I think every one of us could reframe our lives that way. Yeah. Right. There's lots of things I could have be could have been. There's lots of things I thought I was going to be. Hmm. But I see who I came to be as something better. It's like God had a better plan than I did. Yes. And so what looks like a modest life is an amazing life. Woo. And, 
So it's like, how do we, how do we help people reframe that? Because that's what the problem is, right? If the problem yeah. is, is that they're framing it incorrectly and they're seeing the 10%, 90% differently or whatever percentage it plays out, right? Like it's, right. huh? I don't know. It's difficult. Like for me, a lot of it's been when I begin huh. to see the, like the positive aspects of things and I get to see, oh, okay, this is obviously why this, I was put in this situation or whatever. It makes oh, it so much easier. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I was really annoyed today because both – I went to wash the company truck because you're always supposed to wash it before you return it. Mm -hmm. And it was too cold. They closed the car washes. I went to two car washes and it was too cold. Have you tried moving to a nice place? <laughs> Sorry. Unfortunately, that's not an option. I returned okay. it dirty with like a little apology note. So it's never it's too good. cold down here. This is true. I would say the same over in South or in Georgia. <laughs> it's so Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But I think you know, like it's 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 you know, Jesus said, "In this world, you will have trouble." Right. right. And so. When we get hung up on all those little things, because I like returning the truck clean, because that makes me a responsible citizen. It makes me a good person. Everyone can see it's like, oh, it's good. I got a clean truck back. But now yeah. someone's going to have to use the truck, and they're going to be like, who's the jerk that made it dirty? Right? But since you've left the note, now they know it's you. Yeah. Well, I left the note saying it was too cold. I actually noticed that somebody had done the same thing. That's so Canadian. <laughs> Before, yeah. Well, there's really nothing I could do about it. Um, but I, it's just, it's less than perfect, right? And, and yeah. learning how to be okay with less than perfect, which is difficult when I think you become kind of obsessive compulsive with things in hopes that you can do your job well, right? And so it, it's... Yeah. And so, I, I don't know, that's for yeah. me, is like, I could complain about like, well, what was me? There were no car washes, and now I look like an idiot, right? Yeah. But it's like, no, it's not really. And I, I think for me, too, I've realized um, what's been so freeing for me is realizing people don't think about me as much as I think they do. Yeah. And I just assume nobody's thinking of me now, and the pressure's off. It's awesome. I think about you. That's okay. I know you think well about me. About so, you, yeah. <laughs> Was that one of those things where I like think you're, about you, you guys go on too. I didn't say that. You go on Facebook and are like, "Oh man, look how dumb I look," so that everyone will compliment you because you really spent a lot of time on your looks. Oh my gosh, that's like, no false ever... humility. False Fishing humility, for right? Compliments. Yeah. yeah. Actually, actually, this is funny because uh, we had an episode. I don't know how many episodes ago. But um, I was saying something about getting back into music and that I'm not very good. And Jason Bukowski's like, oh, but you're good, you're good. And I followed up with, well, I'm no Jeff Hendricks. And I realized afterwards, once I was done recording and everything, I'm, 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 listening, to like the, I'm listening to it while I'm editing, and I'm like, that was false humility right there. And it's like, it's not because I'm as good musician as Jeff but it's it's because i said that so that when people hear my music and notice that it's not as good as jeff they don't think that i think i'm as good as jeff you know what i mean like it's like false uh -huh. humility is like so sneaky 
Because in the end, it's okay for me to like. People can think I'm whatever confused. they want. I know I moved too fast on that. Basically, what he's saying is that he likes to fish for compliments and use you as the person <laughs> no. he's compared against. That's Not what I all. heard. <laughs> but I, I think what it is, I'm okay like I'm learning that. that what humility is is not worrying about what people think about you. Yeah. So if they think that you think you're better than you are, or if they think that you think that you're less than you are, doesn't matter. Like who cares? And it's like so. Anyways, I don't know. It was just weird. I, maybe I'm not explaining it well, but I, I just I was kind of kind of surprised by that and i was realizing i'm doing that yeah and it's like and i'm conscious of i can be conscious of what people think about me i don't know anyways i'm obsessed with this idea about humility and i feel like it's 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 like a puzzle to figure out and i feel like it's a journey that i don't know if i'll ever solve it have you but it's like kind have of a you mystery considered becoming a calvinist yet <laughs> They're probably the most humble people I know. Are they? <laughs> yes, they're always talking about how terrible they are. It's almost like there's an Olympics. So who can be yeah, the worst sinner? But 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 that's not see that's not humility. Oh. That is false humility, right? That's false humility. Right. Which I guess makes you wonder when 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 Paul was saying I'm the worst sinner, was he really being humble or was that false humility? That's kind of crazy. I think I'm I'm okay saying that I think he was actually being like he humble. He was being honest. Yeah. Is he the worst sinner though? I mean Hitler's pretty bad. Hitler didn't exist at that time. Oh, okay. So so Hitler's the new worst sinner? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> well, but see, okay, so is it a sin? Can we consider someone the worst sinner if they don't know what they're doing is evil? Or can we just say that they're not a Christian? The whole thing that we can't judge the fruits of the world because the world doesn't know any better. We can only judge the fruits of the of those who claim to be Christians. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we need to rank sinners anyways. But, like, I, I think it's funny what you're saying, though, about, like, total depravity. Because I feel like for a Calvinist, that can just be an excuse to be a terrible person. Yeah, I well, I think a lot of times they they're so focused on how depraved that they are that trying to make God look good, and it's like sometimes you don't need to tear other people down or yourself down to make other people look good. Sometimes people are genuinely the most amazing at things, and you tearing yourself down doesn't do anything. And, and in fact, by you tearing yourself and comparing yourself to this other person, you're actually making you're dra- you're dragging this other person down. From, you know, a couple notches. So maybe, you know, I I don't know. I I have a lot of opinions about that stuff. (laughs) Well, it's like, how how bad does the bad news have to be for the good news to be good? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, if the good news is good, just, that's it. The good news. Let's, let's, let's find out the good news. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is you're forgiven. <laughs> right? And it's like and, and, and Jesus has set a pattern for us to follow, so let's yeah. follow it. Woo. Yeah. I think uh I think we're done. Absolutely. Okay. My last comment about Calvinists is what I think made so, the man. last one. Hey guys, it's been 
an absolute blast. Yeah, no, no, it, it wasn't that. I mean, no, uh, it was. It's all good. I, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you guys. We need to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's okay. It's totally your fault, Rex, but that's okay. Um, I still love you. I will forgive you. Um, yeah, it's all good, man. It's all good. Uh, John, love you guys, man. Uh, there's so much more that I wanted to talk about, and we just we'll just have to save it for next time. But oh, uh, we will. Really enjoyed it. Just add so, it to the list. You guys, how do you feel? I it, this was fun. I I always. Like hanging out with um, John and then being able to to do uh, an episode with the originator in addition yeah. to John, it's always yeah. very cool. So, <laughs> and thank you for listening, everybody. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, we are just falsely humi- humi- yes, thank you, humiliating everyone. <laughs> humiliating. Oh, it's terrible. Catch you guys on the flippity flappity. Toodaloo.